there's no better way to kick off Halloween weekend and celebrate my birthday than with a live show in our hometown of Dallas, Texas. For one night only, we're presenting a special live show at the iconic Texas Theater in Dallas, Texas. It's our last Sinisterhood live show of 2022, so don't miss out. If you can't make it to Dallas, you'll still be able to join in on all the creepy fun by purchasing a virtual ticket. More information about virtual tickets will be coming soon. All other tickets are available now and can be purchased at Sinisterhood.com slash live shows. We'll see you on October 27th. Up in the night, your heart fills with dread. Probably a murderer who wants you dead It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse It's hopeless, you're doomed, you'd call a priest if you could You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood I'm gonna kill you Well, welcome to another edition of Freaky Friday. I always am interested when we put out a call to action in a prior episode and then we get one. So we asked for hotel stories and we got a hotel story. Got a hotel story. We did. Yes. Uh, We got several others too. Yes, there's there's quite a few. Uh, This one's true crime heavy with a couple of paranormal mixed in. Yes. But we've been getting a lot of true crime ones recently which I believe we asked for because we were only getting paranormal. So you guys are doing a great job listening and following directions. <laughs> Everyone's doing well, just submitting yeah. the assignments. We appreciate yes. it. Well, let's uh, let's get started. I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get freaky. This first one is from Jenna, and it is called, I was an RA to a potential bomb builder. Hi, friends. Let me just get to it. In college, I was an RA. I like to think I wasn't one of those asshole RAs that busted underage kids drinking in the dorms just because I could. My rule of thumb was, if you were smart and safe, we wouldn't have a problem. I have a lot of stories, but this story beats all of them, in my opinion. My first year as an RA, I worked in a primarily freshman hall. On move-in day, we had a 25-year-old man moving into a typically 18-20-year-old to 20 year old represented dorm with an 18-year-old roommate. Hear me out. I am so stoked that people are going to college at any age and even are taking up residence in the dorms. The situation was just a little weird. If I had to live with an 18-year-old at 25, I would have lost my shit. Not surprisingly, the 18-year-old moved out ASAP. Honestly, this guy freaked me out from the beginning. He just didn't seem to have a grasp on reality. He would wander the halls aimlessly in his PJ pants, bathrobe, and no shirt on. He would leave the building with a fifth of booze to climb old grain elevators and come back either drunk or high out of his mind. He'd spend hours staring at the elevator lights in the lobby. He started leaving flowers and love notes at the door of a girl who was creeped out by him. At one point, one of my residents came to tell me that as she was entering the building, this guy was sitting on the picnic table in the front, wearing a bowl as a helmet and throwing oranges around. Sadly, my resident got hit by one of those oranges. I expressed all my concerns about this man to my boss, just to keep his eye out in case of a mental health crisis. Well, lo and behold, right before the winter break, I hear the elevator door open outside my room, see this man pin something to the wall, and then run down the stairs. I went to check it out, 
And no shit, this man pinned a Christmas wish list to Santa straight on the wall. Tack and all. There was a bulletin board two feet away, and the wall wasn't even easy to put a tack in, but whatever. This list was bizarre. I wish I had taken a photo, but I promptly gave it to my boss, who actually dismissed the note. The list included wishes of ammunition and explosives. Yep, my boss dismissed that. Not even a week later, I watched this motherfucker walk into the dorm with a bag full of fireworks. We called the cops and he was taken into custody and banned from campus. It really freaked me out to think he was casually walking into my hall with fireworks after requesting explosives from Santa. While he was being arrested, he couldn't really form a coherent sentence to officers. But that doesn't even end it there. His room was searched and he had drawn plans to blow up the building. He had a briefcase with trace amounts of heroin in it and a lot of other manifesto-type ramblings in it. It was really scary, knowing that I felt weird about this man, saw him pin a wish list for explosives, and I got told it was a non-issue and essentially was dismissed. There was no intended reason why, which is even creepier. Do you think I'm done? Absolutely not. His room ended up quarantined off through break, and the floor he had lived on smelled awful. Turned out, he had been using the garbage can in his room as a shitter. The folks that had to clean that up should have been given a three-year vacation. It was a really weird time. I am thankful that we were able to remove him from the building. I do wish and hope that he got mental health help. As scary as it was, I really think it was a psychotic break of some sort. Thanks, y'all. I love the podcast very much. It brings me a lot of joy. I retired my RA duties in 2016, and now I'm a professional mentor to 10 young, wonderful, underserved girls. The program is long-term, and I get to be with these kiddos until they graduate or are 18. I have varying ages of girls, but we constantly talk about mental health and how important they are, despite their experiences or what the world tells them. They are a future I believe in. Much love, Jenna. Well, I love that Jenna left us on such a positive note. That's wonderful to know that there are groups like that out there supporting people and making mental health a priority. Uh, the boss done fucked up. Yeah, you, uh, of all the places to not let stuff go, I think a school is, in America especially, should be at the top of the list where we don't just, uh, turn a blind eye to somebody talking about explosives in a university or a school setting. And it'd be one thing if it was just bizarre behavior and they kind of said, yeah, we can't really do it. But it's like, you mentioned something, like dangerous or violent i think just taking it seriously i'm not saying you have to take him to jail just have a one-on-one interview with him just chat with him a little bit until you find out he's been dumping sneaking dumps in his room the whole time i don't know how that wasn't found out earlier i mean if he didn't have a roommate but just the smell alone you would think there would have been complaints but the behavior of leaving unwanted um romantic gestures to the girl and the just bizarre behavior in general. It is, and much like Jenna, I'm all for people going to school at any age. And if you want to live on campus, that is your uh, right. As an 18-year-old, I would not have felt comfortable living with a 25-year-old, I don't believe. I would feel less comfortable living with an 18-year-old at 25. So that would have sent up a red flag. As an 18-year-old, I may have been like, oh, cool. Now I got somebody to buy me beer. But it's... um. <laughs> 
all of this put together definitely paints a creepy picture. And the most alarming part is she did what she should have done and went and told her boss and it was dismissed. Especially, like you said, with the unwanted uh, romantic gestures and then hitting another student. Yeah, it was an orange, but you still hit me in the head. Incidents like that, you're like, now it's becoming cumulative. And you hate to see that it has to take a sack or a bag. I don't know if it was a duffel bag or a sack full of fireworks on premises to go, wait a minute, we got to call someone in on this. What's been happening? You're like, I've been telling you what's been happening for a while. Yeah, it's uh, if I can almost get kicked out of the dorms for just getting really drunk and crawling down the hall, you'd think that people could get kicked out for a lot less. They should have made you an RA for doing that. Damn, I don't want the job. And bless you, Jenna, for being an RA because I never envied those people. Mine was named Jenny. She was very nice. Her boyfriend was also an RA who was also nice. But they flocked together. They, uh, you know... That RA life just isn't for me. I'm not I'm not the one. I would have been fired very quickly because a lot of people would have gotten a lot of way with a lot of shit under my watch. Yeah, I'm always like, that's the rule, but is it a just rule and should we obey it? Oh, I would have just been like just been like no, do nope. whatever you want. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. I don't see like like Jenna said, I'm not hurt you're not hurting anybody. You're staying in your room, you're not bugging me. I don't really care. If you mm-hmm. wake me up, if you're go- you're expelled immediately. Don't wake me up. Yeah, don't do that. Well, this next one is also about college. It is from Ellie, and it is called My Sister Brought a Murderer on My Ghost Tour. Hey, ladies. I wanted to share a story about a ghost tour I gave of my college campus back in 2016. In November of 2016, I was still an undergraduate history major at the University of Tennessee. For one of my classes, we were tasked with writing a historical walking tour of campus. I, of course, decided to write a ghost tour. For our final projects, we had to give our walking tour for our professor and other history faculty members. I decided to give a practice run of my tour for my friends so that I didn't mess up anything on the actual tour. I invited my twin sister Ashley to come along, and she happened to mention to a classmate in her interior design program, Molly, who wanted to come too. The afternoon of my ghost tour arrives, and Molly is annoying the shit out of me, asking me questions about ghosts that there is no way I could answer. For example, there is, supposedly, a ghost called Fanny who haunts a particular building on campus that has a stage. The story goes that she wanted to be an actress, so she dropped out of the university and moved to California to pursue her dreams. She ended up dying of tuberculosis before she could achieve her goals. On my ghost tour, Molly asked me what Fanny's major was and also what her GPA was. These are ghost stories, my dude. By the time I finished the tour... I was pretty grumpy due to Molly's insane questions, but overall thought it went pretty well. I did, however, privately express my disdain for Molly to my sister later. About a year passes, and my sister texts me and asks me if I remember Molly. I responded with, yes, of course, she was annoying as shit. My sister then informed me that Molly and her father had murdered her husband, Jason Corbett, in North Carolina in August of 2015 roughly 15 months before she accompanied my sister on my ghost tour. Jason Corbett hired Molly Martin's Corbett as an au pair to take care of his children after his first wife died in Ireland. Jason and Molly began dating and then married, settling in an upscale golf community in Davidson County, North Carolina. In 2015, 
Davidson County Police found Jason Corbett's nude body in the master bedroom of the couple's house. Prosecutors allege that Molly Corbett and Tom Martins, her father and a former FBI agent, brutally beat Jason to death with a 28-inch Louisville Slugger baseball bat and a concrete paving brick. A medical examiner testified that Jason was hit in the head at least 12 different times and that his skull was crushed. Molly's father claims that he beat Jason with the baseball bat after finding him strangling his daughter. Several articles suggest that Jason may have been abusive, but also state that all of the physical evidence in the case contradicts the claim of self-defense. There seems to be a lot of contention over whether it was self-defense or not. Molly and her father were convicted of second-degree murder in 2017, but the convictions have been overturned and no retrial date has been set. All I know is that my sister's classmate, who attended my ghost tour, asked me a bunch of dumb questions and helped her father kill her husband. Love you guys. My sister and I have been huge fans for several years, and we'd love it if y'all ever came to Knoxville. Keep it creepy. Ellie. P.S. I'd be happy to send you my entire ghost tour if you're interested. Well, this is uh, timely that uh, this was sent in because they're having hearings right now to determine when the retrial will be for Tom and Molly Martins for the murder of Jason Corbett. So they were both convicted of secondary murder in 2017. Yes. And why were the convictions overturned? Does it uh, say? The, New- the North Carolina Supreme Court issued an opinion that the only defense in their case was that they were legally justified in using deadly force because of this abuse that allegedly had happened. The trial court excluded testimony of Corbett's children, who would be Molly's stepchildren, so that's not their mom. The ones that she had been hired to take care of initially. Allegedly, the children had made comments to the family center where you kind of take kids whenever they're in uh, a legal proceeding where you take the kids to one place and then like lawyers meet with them, doctors meet with them, psychologists meet with them. They don't have to move them around. They all meet at one place. And they had made comments about that, but then later recanted, well, the trial court excluded admissible testimony, which the Supreme Court said was relevant to the central question presented to the jury, which was, is this legally justifiable homicide? The trial court said those comments that the kids made at the family center are excluded. They can't be included in the trial. And they were Molly and Thomas Martins were both convicted, like you said, unanimously of second degree murder. But the jury didn't hear the comments about possible abuse. For their part, the Corbett family and the kids have said, we didn't see abuse. We don't know what they're talking about. If we're called to testify, which they likely will, they're now ages 13, I think, and 17. Um, I'm sorry, 17 and 15. And they're going to have to come back and testify. The family thought it would maybe be sometime in the fall. Now there's going to be another hearing on September 21st. So in the next week or so to determine a proposed date for the retrial, it'll likely be in 2023 his whole family, the victim's whole family lives in Ireland, which, of course, understandably, you'd be frustrated. to. You don't want to have to fly back and forth. And in the meantime, his sister wrote a book called My Brother Jason, in which she states her belief that Molly and Thomas committed premeditated murder and that the, the victim's family believes this was just cold-blooded murder. There was not abuse. There was no defense and that they should be charged with first degree murder rather than second degree. But currently, they're not in any kind of jail. 
Uh, not no. There, I think currently, there, but the the prosecution has said we are going to pursue this. Like you've been granted a retrial, you haven't been acquitted. It didn't say, oh, you're innocent. The Supreme mm-hmm. Court simply said you should have let that evidence in about the kids allegedly saying this at the the family center, and then the jury could have weighed that against whatever other evidence, and then come to their verdict by excluding that. You then denied them of a fair trial. Therefore, now they get a redo. Mm-hmm. That's why yeah. objections are super important at trials. Well. Did they say what they think the motive was? If the if the family believes it was premeditated and just cold blooded, I I would have to look at her book. It just the a few articles I pulled up said that uh, in the book his sister states her belief that Molly Corbett and Thomas Martins committed premeditated murder, and she believes the two should have been charged with first degree. So they they're very outspoken and are involved in. They're they're pushing for justice for mm-hmm. their loved one that's lost, but they are very frustrated because the kids now at 17 and 15 are coming up on some pretty significant exam years in secondary school and how school goes over there. Mm-hmm. So just delaying and delaying keeps dis- is very disruptive to them, yeah. but they're they're still interested in plus they've lost their justice. father. Yeah, yeah. and they, it's, I think that they said that they've the article I read said that the, they live with the family in Ireland and that the. Uh, a hearing earlier in 2022 was the first time since the last trial that they'd come face to face with their stepmom who had killed mm-hmm. their dad, which has got to be so hard to handle at any age, yeah. much less, you know, you lost your dad and you're just a teenager. Well, that's it's wild to think all of that happened and you're just on a ghost tour. You have it's just those things where you're like, do we ever really know people? I mean, unless you really <sighs> dig into everybody that you meet, their background, like who knows how many people we all just encounter on a daily basis that have something like this going on. What they're capable of, yeah. Eerie, yeah. Well, this next one is from Liz, and this is called Haunted Puerto Rico. Who doesn't love a Puerto Rican ghost? Where do I begin? In the early 90s, I lived in Puerto Rico. We lived in a beautiful house that we quickly learned was haunted. Nothing was weird when we first moved in. The most fascinating thing about the house was that there was an old floor safe in my parents' closet, and my sister and I couldn't wait to try to pry it open. We tried every combination of numbers, and we finally gave up. Believing that one million forgotten dollars were in that safe, we were obviously disappointed. Then it began. Little things. We would walk into the bathroom, and everything that was on the counter would be in the tub. And even if we put it all back on the counter, you'd return to find it back in the tub. We blamed each other and were mad about what we thought was just sibling pranking, even though it happened almost every day. I lost my driver's license, and I swore that she had taken it. She lost her keys, and she swore I took it. Little things that could be explained away. Things got crazier. I was having a sleepover, and we were all down on the first level. We had an old broken music box that my mom had kept because she liked how it looked. No matter how hard we tried, we couldn't get that music box to play. But that night of the sleepover, in the middle of the night, it started playing the creepy-as-fuck love story by Johnny Mathis. It immediately woke me from my sleep, and I froze, not knowing what to do. Did I mention there were like 15 people sleeping on the floor? Not one woke up, by the way, despite the fact that I was shitting my pants. I waited until the frightening sound ended, then I cautiously got up, navigated my way through the labyrinth of my friends, and looked at the music box. When I turned it around, I saw that the handle was still broken. I went back to my sleeping bag, but barely slept. The next morning, I told my family, and we all agreed that it was my, quote, 
overactive imagination. Read, my family thinks I'm crazy. One day my dad had forgotten some papers at home and asked me to go and get them for him. I unlocked the front door and went to his office. As soon as I walked into his office, everything shut down. He had copy machines, a fax machine, two computers. You know, the 1995 My Dad is Inspector Gadget starter kit. I had that feeling you get when the power goes out and everything gets quiet. I walked over, grabbed my dad's papers, and got the hell out of there. Another time, our dog was locked outside. But we hadn't left him outside, and no one had been home, and the gate between the front door and the outside was locked. We found out that the ghost really didn't like my sister. We don't know why, but she was the target of many of the scarier experiences. Her room had bats outside the window that nothing could get rid of. Bats? Really? She was sleeping in that same room downstairs by herself, and in the middle of the night, the closet doors opened, all the books from the shelf came flying out, and she said she saw a fluorescent hello on the wall. She ran like hell upstairs to my parents' room, but the door that separated the room was locked. There's no lock on that door. My parents woke up to find her in the fetal position right outside their door. Later that month, after my family determined that she too was crazy, she was the victim of the worst the ghost had. She was downstairs in that same haunted-ass room, watching TV, when our dog came down barking loudly. He wouldn't stop, so she decided to take him outside. There was a swinging door between the dining room and the kitchen. We always left it propped open, because who needs a swinging door? It's only fun for playing restaurant. Anyway, the door was closed, which my sister found weird. And when she pushed the door open, there was a fire. A backdraft singed her eyebrows and eyelashes and some of her hair. We don't know how emergency was alerted because my sister spoke no words for about two weeks. If I ask her today about that day, she won't talk about it. The cause of the fire was undetermined because there was really no reason for it other than to scar my poor sister. In the end, our parents finally believed us when my sister and I went away to college and they had a friend come visit who asked why he was always waking up to all the bathroom stuff in the tub. We firmly believed that we were targeted for trying to open that safe and my sister specifically because she kept slapping my hand away when I would fail with the lock so that she could get a crack at it. My parents moved out and back to the States. We heard that the new owners remodeled and got rid of the safe. Turns out there was nothing in it at all. An early lesson on life's disappointments, for sure. There's a number of things in this house that are scary and disturbing. Very disturbing and annoying to have things move, but the fucking music box in the night. Yeah, I can't, I'm <laughs> trying to think of what that song sounds like. Johnny Mathis is country, right? Uh, Kind of like old crooners. Johnny oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mathis. Well, it sounds like what I like to call killing music then. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Just that, where there's like it's playing on a record, and it's like mm -hmm. mm -mm, we watched. Uh, we've watched horror movies the past four nights in a row. I think <laughs> asking and, for it. Uh, yeah, we're getting we're getting geared up. Well, it started when we were in Colorado. <laughs> oh God, what? Sorry, the song started playing. It's fucking creepy. <laughs> Wait, pl can you share it? Uh, let me see. Can you play it? Let me see if this works. Tell me if this. Nod your head if this works. Okay. <laughs> Oh, God. 
No, I don't want to hear that playing in the middle of the night. I don't want to hear that playing ever, but especially in the middle of the night. You're just sleeping with 15 of your friends, and then all of a sudden that. Oh, and then it's broken. How did it play? How did it ever play? I am glad the parents finally believed you, but maybe we take a lesson, and maybe it doesn't need to be the parent's friend that finally comes along and is like, hey... (laughs) Why is this going on? And then you're like, okay, now we now we believe y'all. Believe your kids if they're if they're telling you this kind of shit. In fact, I think the best way to root out if you if you're like, man, I think my kid might be lying about paranormal activity. The best way to root it out is to believe it a hundred percent and investigate it all the way. We go, all right, we're gonna call the local ghost and we're gonna find the equivalent of the ghost guild. We're going we're gonna all have in. them come in. Do you want them to do that? It's going to be a whole thing. You might be on the news. If it's fake, it's going to be on the news that it was fake. But if it's legit, and then be like, you want to do that? If it's See legit, it will also it. be on the news. Either way, you're going <laughs> to... The news crew will be here. Do you want this? <laughs> you want The news is coming. So decide what you're going to tell them. Is it going to be an apology, a heartfelt, sorry for lying to my family? Or we have evidence that the mm-hmm. paranormal exists. <laughs> There are, speaking of paranormal activity, there are several new paranormal activities out because we almost watched one the other night. And then Tommy was like, wait, I think there's three new ones. I was like, okay. So instead we watched, um, oh gosh, what did we watch? We've watched so many. And I know people are always looking for good horror movies. We watched, you and I and him watched The Rental Yes, the rental I found. And the ritual. Both I thought were good. Did you know the ritual I learned later? Paris watched that movie and then was inspired to write the Texas Horror Cult short film that won last year. Oh. Final Girl Defense that had Jade in it. He said, I go, we watched the ritual in Denver. And he said, you know that that's what inspired my writing oh, that other thing. Because the way that, that the ritual ended, he his brain thought, what if this? And it sparked a, a new idea. I had no idea. I didn't put two and two together. But well, both very good films. Very good. And What did you watch what, on the plane? I watched Gretel and Hansel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still have like 15 minutes left. It's like a, a more modernized, uh, well, not even really that modern, but it's... It's a very dark fairy tale, but it's um, it has a lot of tones of like uh, female empowerment and stuff in it. And then what did we watched X last night, which is an A twenty four film. My God, lot of lot of nudity, lot of nudity. <laughs> wait, what was it called? I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then Tommy was like, "Wait, what's today?" And then he said, "Tomorrow, a sequel of this comes out." <laughs> like that's how long it's been. Since. I was like, "Well." Usually we don't watch them that close, so now we can watch that. We watched something else the other night too, and now I can't remember what it was. Uh, I'll think of it, and then. But yeah, we're on a horror movie kick, so there's so many good ones, <sighs> and we have a, on our Patreon Discord. If you're into horror movies, there's like good horror movies, and so bad there are good horror movie mm-hmm. discords that you can share all these in too. If you have more ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, this next one is from Stephanie. And the subject line is, living the NOLA dream, maybe? Hello, ladies. Let me start by saying I enjoy listening to both of you, and I've been listening since September 2019 while at work. During downtime at first, but since I got promoted to a different role, I listen whenever you post new episodes while I process claims for the nonprofit group I work for, helping cancer patients with financial assistance. With being an empath, I have to distract myself from the heaviness at times. Well, let me tell you about what happened to me in NOLA 2006. 
One of my best friends, Amy, and I used to go down and visit my family, my aunt and cousins, once a year in October for the French food festival they had in La Rose, Louisiana. We decided rather than drive to and from there to NOLA, we'd be responsible and stay in the French Quarter to experience everything in full a couple days before she flew out. We ended up meeting up with a childhood friend, Christine, who I was in Japan with when our parents were stationed there. Anyway, we did the whole drinking at the multiple daiquiri shops and getting beads. After hanging out a bit with her, we decided to do the ghost slash vampire tour. When our tour guide walks in, I'm mesmerized immediately when he starts talking. Have you ever had a recurring dream since childhood and then you meet the person from that dream? Yeah, that happened. I've had a dream from the antebellum era, and in the dream, I walk into a living room area, and there's a man who's standing at the fireplace, and he tells me my family has been killed, but I never see his face. The house is a plantation house. When the tour guide started talking, I immediately realized he was the man in my dream. I didn't know what to think. My friend was like, let's just go on the tour and see what happens. He stayed near me the entire time, or maybe it was me needing to be near him. He made small talk with me, and during the entire tour, I just was mesmerized. After the tour, he came up to me and said he felt like he knew me from another life. We hung out a little bit, but I didn't want my friend to feel left out, so we decided to turn in for the night. Our hotel was known as being haunted, the place de arms, so we wanted to see if we could catch any orbs or experience anything there. We did get a couple of orbs, but nothing else. Well... I took her to the airport, then I met up with my mom, and we went to a tour of a plantation house called the Destrin Plantation. As soon as I walk in the sitting room, I had the same feeling like I had been there before, and it looked like the one from my dream. What are the odds that I would run into the guy from the dream and be in the house from my dream in the same trip? I haven't had the dream since I went on that trip. Anyway, I hope you ladies keep it freaky and continue on doing what you're doing. Ooh, that's eerie. It's interesting that the dream hasn't happened. Maybe you closed a chapter you were needing to subconsciously or consciously work through. Just go back and visit and your past life is, you know, finally realizes, hey, this one's, you know, that one's over and this is present now and I need to stop trying to intrude in. A lot of uh, self-restraint and kindness to your friend because if I met the man in my dreams, I would probably have gone to the room. (laughs) Well, he was in her dream. I don't know if he was the man of her dreams. You never know. He was the man of a dream in which he tells her her whole family's been killed. (laughs) He's not the man of her dreams. He's a man from her dreams. A man from her dreams. Very important article. That gave her some incredibly bad news. So I don't know if I'm like let's go back to your room when that's my association with him. You never, well, it's past life stuff is very fascinating to me. And I would, that would be a fun, uh, if we could find like a past life psychic, that would be very fun to explore Mm. what past lives would probably be. But definitely I've had that feeling of, oh my goodness, this is very uh, familiar. Like I've been here into a place you've never been before. And when I go to our New Orleans, one of the most effective ghost tours I've ever been on, including Uh, I don't think it was pre-planned, but an area when, as she was speaking about a deceased person who was from that area, the lights dimmed on all of us. Mm. It was, like I said, either it was a real high-quality ghost tour and they know where to trick you to turn the lights off or 
something happened. Or a coincidence. Or it's a coincidence. But it's also New Orleans, so it's like a thousand, everything's a thousand years old, like all mm-hmm. the electricity and stuff. So I think you're just like, stand under any street yeah. lamp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> there it goes. And Let's if it's haunted. not just faulty electric, there probably is a ghost because it's New Orleans. So you're always going to get something. Mm-hmm. Love, New Orleans. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie, for sending that in. The next one is from Rihanna. Rihanna, the singer, I'm going to assume it's you. Thank you yeah. for your music. Actually, I just heard uh, something the other day that was Rihanna. celebrity names that we all think we pronounce correctly, but we do not. And she pronounces it Rihanna. Rihanna? And in this interview, they asked her, is it Rihanna? And she said, no, it's actually Rihanna. But people just, well, Rihanna, we're taking it back. <laughs> Ariana Grande was another one. Oh, There's yeah, she's a lot. Grandy. Yeah, she says Grandy. Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. She said that's what her grandfather always said, and so that's what she said. There were several. I was like, but have we all just decided this is their name now? <laughs> Nobody cares what their I actual names know. are? Tell me how I, to it say was, it. It was weird. It was a TikTok, so uh, don't at me in case it's not true. <laughs> well, Rihanna, thank you so much. This one is Hotel Stories, Almost Axe Murderer. Hello, ladies. I absolutely love the podcast. You both are incredibly funny, and I love the unique insight you provide into these crazy cases. Anyway, I was listening to the Freaky Friday number 28 and decided to heed your request for weird hotel stories. Trigger warning, blood, injuries, and dementia. I worked in hotels for six years and definitely had some weird experiences, but one of the scariest and saddest was the time I thought I was going to be the victim of an axe murderer. So, the second hotel I ever worked at was a small boutique hotel out on the beach. When I say small, I mean like 18 rooms in total small. On this particular day, I was working the daytime shift at the front desk reception. The hotel reception desk was located on the left of the lobby, and there was a small seating area on the right. Down two or three steps from there was a small lounge space. I was at the desk, and the maintenance man and the hotel owner were sitting down in the lounge. Suddenly... Something out the window to the parking lot caught my eye. I turned to see an older gentleman stalking toward the hotel, absolutely covered in blood and with an axe in his left hand. I wish I could say that I immediately sprang into action, but honestly, for a few precious moments, I was completely frozen in place. I had never seen so much blood in my life. Luckily, my brain finally threw my ass in gear, and I grabbed the phone, started dialing 911, and raced toward the lounge as the man kept coming. I shouted to the owner and the maintenance man, and they looked up and immediately ran out the front door. My first thought, great, now they're definitely dead and I'm next. But rather than attacking them, the older man just sat down on the bench in front of the lobby. The owner raced in and grabbed towels and started shouting at me to call 911. Way ahead of you, my guy. The 911 operator was incredibly kind as I tried to piece together what the owner was trying to tell me versus the crazy sight of an axe murderer before me. Paramedics and police came. I found out later the older man lived across the street in an apartment building and the owner of the hotel was friends with them. The man lived on his own as his wife had recently passed away. He was suffering from dementia but refused to leave the apartment. That afternoon, the man had decided to try and trim the palm tree outside his apartment and slipped off the ladder he was using, hitting himself in the head with an axe. Luckily, it was a fairly superficial wound, and he was all right after a brief hospital stay. Needless to say, I took a bit longer of a break than normal that day and had a good cry out on the beach before returning to my shift. 
Thank you again, ladies, for all that you do, and keep it creepy. That is a um, – that's something out of a horror film. That's a site you look up and you just see kind of like It Follows. Yeah. I just imagine that coming at you, but it's – they're covered in blood with an axe. Just mar- walking with purpose because I'm sure his brain is like, hotel, people, help. Yeah, and- I'm glad that not just suffering from dementia but also a head wound, he was able to – have enough wherewithal to get himself to to help. Right. You you just go, I got to drag myself to safety somehow. But from her perspective, I know looking out the window and going, it's happening. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, it's a joke. It must be a, oh, it's not a joke. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. But I'm glad it worked out in the end. Don't climb a ladder without someone spotting you underneath. And especially with a sharp object. It's really sad. He, I mean, he sounds like he's, I mean, she said he has dementia, so that's – it's very hard. Like, do you – as the family, how do you prevent things like that from happening where you don't get a call? It's like, dad was trying to trim the palm tree and accidentally mm-hmm. chopped his head off. Yeah, it's so hard. It was That was hard when I had clients like that because family members do say, well, how do we – you know, what? when is the right time? And it's like, your parent is never going to go, I can't really handle this anymore. Can you just do everything, take this off my plate? Because mm-hmm. everybody wants to maintain a sense of independence, just safety-wise, though. That's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, uh, he went to have some supervision, people checking on him, something that, yeah. that does not happen again. But I'm glad that everybody was there, because your head and face bleed so oh, much, yeah. so rapidly. And depending on what medications you can be on, sometimes older people are on blood thinners. Mm-hmm. You're, I mean, that's very scary. So... Good job, Rihanna, for or calling nine one one. Who knows? Action. Who knows? All right. This last and final one is from Liz, and the subject line is: "I went to church with a murderer." This is the same Liz as the earlier story. Double Liz. Double Liz. Hi, ladies. Here is another of my Freaky Friday stories. I went to high school in St. Louis with a kid named Charlie. He was a handsome soccer player, and while he was a nice guy. You could just tell he was trouble, which, of course, attracted the girls. He began dating my sister's best friend, so he was around a lot. He'd go to church with us, attend Sunday school. We shared many stories and typical 1989 high school shenanigans. He was kicked out of our school, but I can't recall the reason. We didn't see him anymore because he had broken up with my sister's friend. Some said it was because her mother didn't like him. As a mom now, I totally get it. I graduated in 1992, and at our 10-year reunion, there were rumors that Charlie had killed someone. But they were just rumors, as no one could confirm or deny. Last week, my son wanted to look at my yearbooks, and after answering questions about why I was in every group photo—of course I did it on purpose, I was on the yearbook committee—I thought I should look at my classmates on Facebook and see if they got better or worse with age. When I got to Charlie's picture, I remembered the rumor, and I quickly googled his name. The rumors were true. I found the court documents, and after reading the whole thing, I learned that after stealing her father's car and rifle on December 3, 1993, Charlie and his then-girlfriend drove to California. They ran out of money, so on December 9th, he and the girlfriend kidnapped a 19-year-old named Diana Contreras. Diana was Christmas shopping at a Bakersfield, California mall, and after she made a payment on a necklace that was going to be a special gift to her mother— She walked out to her car with her purchases. Sadly, Diana never had the chance to give her family their presents because, as she was leaving the mall, she was forced into a car by Charlie's girlfriend. 
They kidnapped her, robbed her, and took her to an ATM and learned her PIN number. After robbing her and remembering that she had a car phone, Diana was driven to a remote location near Taft, California, and shot to death. Oil workers found her body the next day. Her autopsy showed that Diana had died of three gunshot wounds. Because it was a rifle shot at very close range, her heart had been, quote, destroyed. It said that she would have died quickly. One shot was fired while she was standing, and the other two after she fell to the ground. It also indicated she was holding on to something, perhaps her purse and packages, when she was shot. One bullet went through what she was holding. The couple then took her purse and packages with them. After using ATMs multiple times and reaching the daily withdrawal limit, they went back to the mall and took Diana's car and drove to Las Vegas, where they got married and paid for it with Diana's money. A total of $1,800 was taken from her account. On the 15th of December, these pieces of shit started driving back to Missouri. Due to the bolo on Diana's car and ATM video stills, they were stopped and arrested in Kansas. In the trunk, they found the rifle and the ammunition, ATM receipts, and the marriage license, as well as Diana's purse and its contents. There was also a Siamese kitten in a carrier. What? When arrested, Charlie told officers that his girlfriend had nothing to do with it and maintains that to this day. At the trial, he told the court that he didn't intend to shoot her, but as he was ready to drive off, Diana begged them not to leave her and walk towards him. He then shot her with the stolen rifle. Because she was screaming, he shot her two more times and said he did so so that she, quote, wouldn't go through no pain. He said he chose to rob Diana because, quote, she was just a little girl. She weighed 85 pounds that wouldn't fight or nothing. When asked why they got married, he said, quote, I guess because we were going to jail. I wanted to be able to keep in contact. In 1995, he was sentenced to death and is currently in San Quentin with other trash holes like Scott Peterson and Rodney Alcala. His girlfriend was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. But in 2017, the governor changed her sentence to 25 years to life with the possibility of parole. I couldn't find anything past that about her. Sorry, that was a bit long and heavy, but it's weird to know that I sat next to this kid and couldn't imagine that I'd be telling the story about the kid next to me in Sunday school. Liz also wrote, I don't know that his name deserves to be disclosed, but his name is Charles Roundtree and his girlfriend slash wife is Mary Elizabeth Schroeder. All info is available online. Liz is correct. Um, I did a, just a quick search. Charles's death sentence was upheld. His conviction was upheld by the court. But part of the reason why they granted the girlfriend parole is because there was an argument that she was just as much of a victim, not just as much, but was also a victim um, that, you know, he allegedly was murderous, mentally ill, and she was emotionally uh, immobilized. She said she was neglected by her parents, abused by her family, and had been in numerous abusive relationships. And the evaluation said that she didn't share the intent of the killing, but that she couldn't resist and stop him. For Diana Contreras's family's part, they disagree, and they told the news, my life sentence is waking up for the past 23 and a half years without my sister, who would have done something with her life and not have used her bad childhood to do wrong and bad things, and her life sentence should be where she's at. I think that's fair. You take a life, your life should be in prison, and where you spend the remainder of your life. So that was Melissa Hernandez said that. Wow. All of it sucks. It's one of those, you're just in the... You're doing nothing wrong, just wrong place, wrong time, unfortunately. His mm -hmm. argument of 
I shot her because she was walking towards me. Doesn't really hold up when he says in the same breath, she weighed 85 pounds and that's why we chose her is because she couldn't fight back. Well, what did you think she was going to do? She's, why, you know, you don't need to shoot her if, yeah. you, if you don't find her a threat. And he was full of shit. He said, and I believe it was two other instances he confessed like, yeah, we robbed her and we were done, so I shot her. Well, then at trial, he wanted to say, oh, well, I, I didn't know what she was going to do. And so I, I accidentally shot her because she was walking towards me. And then I felt bad, so I wanted to put her out of her misery. And then another time, well, she was charging at me. And so this initially, and the forensic evidence showed, it was cold-blooded premeditated mm-hmm. murder. Yeah. And he just was trying to make up yeah. excuses. Well, that's uh, thank you, Liz, for that, and your other own as well. And thank you to everyone else that sent one in. Some, uh, just a, a lot of these had the common theme of you never really know who the person sitting next to you might be. Yeah, in the dorm room or, you know, uh, in this case, your Sunday school, anything mm-hmm. like that. The person on your ghost tour. Mm-hmm. That is very eerie for sure. Now we're all going to go do some Googling of people we went to school with and see where everybody is. <laughs> well, this, we're going to spend the rest of the night. I was talking to Paris about this and he had a similar story. And I said, well, why don't you send it into Freaky Friday? Because he had a uh, an instance with a high school classmate. Mm-hmm. I think I think uh, I'm pretty sure that I went to school with someone that's committed murder. I mean, just statistically, I'm sure I True. did. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for everyone that sent in your stories. If you have an odd but true story, maybe you've encountered Bigfoot, you've seen a UFO, you had a brush with true crime, or you felt the presence of an otherworldly being, send them in at SinisterHood.com slash Freaky Friday. And we usually save our live show announcements for this time in the show. So it's a live show announcement. October 27th in Dallas, Texas, we're going to be at the Texas Theater doing a special creepy, spooky Halloween-ish show. But then also it's my birthday. So who maybe celebrities will be there? We don't. Zach Gelford, is he coming? We don't know yet. I we'll have find not out. contacted him. <laughs> I don't want you to get your hopes up and think Zach Gelford is going to be there. And then he isn't there. I think he might be in Austin filming something. So I'll we'll tweet okay. him. Perhaps it will perhaps it will happen then. But even without Zach Guilford, you'll be there. And if you're saying to yourself, I'm not in Dallas on October twenty seventh, I can't be there. Hold your horses. There's gonna be a virtual option. Mm-hmm. More information on this coming soon, but you will be able to experience our hometown show with us from any from your own hometown, wherever you're at right now. And then for a couple days after, watch it at your leisure if you're not on our same time zone. But October twenty seventh at 8 p.m. Central Time. We're going to be here in Dallas, Texas. Go to SinisterHood.com slash live shows. Currently buy tickets for in-person. And then as soon as we got them, we're going to have that link for you to buy your virtual ticket. And uh, if you're on Patreon, you might want to sign up for Patreon, too, because there's a little perk, a little Patreon perk as well. Mm-hmm. We love providing Sinisterhood to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating this show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those in the Rolling the Airwaves and Getting Into It tier, a special shout-out on the show, 
a monthly bonus mini-sode. This month is about a digital AI cryptid called Loeb. And patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. Got a DM the other day. Someone said, if I sign up for Patreon today, do I only get the stuff going forward? And I had the pleasure of saying, no, no, you get Hundreds of hours, everything we've ever put on Patreon from March 2019 to present is all yours when you sign up today. What a fun journey through time. You get to see (laughs) us before the lockdown and after, before certain kids were born. It's just a whole, you weren't married at the time. No, I was like, why can't I find a boyfriend? (laughs) You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. This month, our Q&A... I believe it's September 27th. Tuesday, September 27th at 8 p.m. Central, and then the live stream will be Thursday the 29th. There we go. Also, the movie I was trying to think of is Men. Found it. It is, uh, woo, it's intense. It's intense. Does it haunt you? Is it haunting? It should haunt everyone, yeah. It was very, deals with a lot of very intense subjects. I've been watching more horror movies. I might be willing to Well, this is a horror movie of... Uh, that's real life. Oh, God. I mean, some of it. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. It's fall. It's chilly. You need a hoodie. Sinisterhood.com. Click shop on the top banner. You can get a hoodie, t-shirts, mugs, totes, clothes for your kiddos. It's all there. Sinisterhood.com. Click on shop. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlists from Spotify by visiting Sinisterhood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook, Sinisterhood. We're also on TikTok and YouTube at Sinisterhood Podcast. I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace and I am on Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Sin